Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Sometimes in life, we encounter people who teach us things we never knew we needed to learn, who offer a perspective that forces us to reevaluate our outlook, and who humble us with their innate wisdom and kindness. Sometimes, though, we also meet people who offer us none of these things. Ladies and gentlemen, Flats and Shanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our second weekly podcast of Flats and Shanks. I am David Flatman. I'm Tom Shanklin. Hiya, Tom. Hi, Dave. Now, uh, as Tom mentioned just seconds ago, this is indeed our second podcast. Mm -hmm. The first one was last week, and... Firstly, it was a bit long, um, but it kind of had to be because we were looking back over stuff and we didn't really know what we were doing. We had to recap the season before and all that stuff. And technically, we kind of, we've got it absolutely nailed now. That's not true. But um, we're going to streamline it, aren't we? We're going to streamline it. Oh, yeah, it's going to be super slick uh, by now. We also, we kind of ballsed up a little bit getting it on iTunes, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We weren't quite sure how to get it on iTunes. It's a little bit more complicated than just recording something on your computer and uploading it. So we had a lot of Googling on Yahoo. Yeah, uh, and eventually after a it wasn't easy, was it? No, it wasn't. We we stayed up till about half nine trying yeah. to get it on, but we did. Yeah, and it, it should be a lot easier now to to listen subscribe. to to download. Yeah, subscribe if you want. I mean, you don't have to. You literally don't have to. We got a lot of help. It must be said from uh, Big JB from the Egg Chasers podcast and Rugby Dungeon. He hooked us right up. He was on the phone to oh. me, to Big Tommy, and to Michelle, our agent, friend, and producer. Uh, till the early hours. Well, yeah, about, about literally half nine, 25 to Proper 10. Proper nerd alert, though, wasn't he? Yeah. You everything. He's a full-on nerd, but a good nerd, you know? In the same way that I'm a nerd about sort of Land Rover exhaust pipes, he's a nerd about stuff that actually matters. You've always um, loved cars, haven't you? I have, yeah. Top it's marquee. Always top... just see him in the toilets. <laughs> but it's all... It's <laughs> it's, to, it's to make up the deficiencies elsewhere. Now, um, we did... Um, we were tweeted some questions, which we'll come on to later, but we were tweeted one vital correction... Um, from last week's show, I I seem to remember you, Tommy. You mentioned Romeo Dunn at one point. I did, yes. And I think I mean I can't be, I couldn't be bothered, frankly, to listen to the whole thing again, 
to see if this guy was right. But apparently, yeah. I said he was part of the Blazing Squad, and he ain't. He ain't. He's, he's not. part of. He's part of um, so solid crew. That's the one. Uh, my boys are so solid crew. So um, can, you, can you name a, a song they sung? Twenty one seconds to go. Yeah. Another. Yeah. Me and my bitch. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. No, no, no. That's my homeboy Biggie. That's my homeboy Biggie. <laughs> I don't know. I think they only recorded one song ever. Uh, that was it, but it was yeah. a great one, wasn't it? Yeah, anyway, it was. anyway, but it, that reminded me of a story. Um, Tommy, I know you remember Matt Cairns, Saracen's hooker for years. Quincy, I do, yeah. Great boy, um, Scouser lad. Uh, well, he and I were kind of... We he used to love his Citroen Saxo, didn't he? Awful oh, car. Saxo. And he used to give the lads a lift to training, which was like three minutes, and then charge them a five yep. for petrol at the end of the week. Horrible, mm-hmm. tight Scouser. And um, great bloke. Got Played for England as well at hooker, and um, we were kind of a bit of a double act because we were both basically overweight with no hair and um, front row stick together and all that. And we used to go out partying quite a lot. And remember one night in about sort of 99, 2000, being in Eros nightclub in Enfield. London's premier night spot. North London's premier night spot slash Enfield's premier night spot. What night was it? Because they're different One year running. It was was a Wednesday night, which is garage night. Yeah. So it used to get, uh, you know, pretty naughty in there. Anyway, we're around there having a couple of mineral waters and there were these two girls. We thought these two are, you know, a pair of diamonds, like, you know. Mm. And put them on a mortgage. You know, why are they with all why why are they with all those good looking young lads when they could be with us? And these lads were like sharp haircuts, tram lines, perfect facial hair, skinny jeans. Patrick Cox on. Patrick Cox shoes yeah. on. I used to wear those. And uh, skinny jeans, like ear, diamond earrings and stuff. And I was like, oh, these lads trying to give them the eye, not working. Yeah. In the end, I remember Kenzie walking over, walking straight into the middle of the group, and he said, Oi, blazing squad, do one. <laughs> that was it. That was it. We commandeered their um, lady friends for the night and um yeah, it was, that was an interesting way to interesting way to break the ice, actually. How did it end? Was there light at the end of the tunnel? Swap numbers. That's enough for me. That is, mate. You know, as long as you know you can, that's good enough, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I don't, technically, I'm not not sure if we could. So, anyway, it's Tuesday, and where we are this week is um, not in a horrible little room in Bath. We no. are we're at Cardiff Blues. We're in one of the executive boxes. Onwards and upwards, haven't we? You know, we've we've increased. Yeah, we, we're growing. Our, yeah. Our brand from CrossFit Bath, and now we're at the Cardiff Blues, and the pitch is looking lovely, isn't it? Oh, it looks great, doesn't it, at this time of year, considering it's... Artificial. Well, it's considering it's plastic, yeah. Um, so it's very, very flash. There is a bit of a squeaky table. Um, so if that squeaks, it is not my neck or Shanks's knees, um, it's or my core. We is literally a, a rickety old table, but we're mm. in Wales, so it's the best you're going to get. So anyway, it's Tuesday. We wanted to record this on Sunday night or Monday, but we didn't, because Shanks was away. Where were you? Um, I was at a children's variety charity trip to Loch Lomond in Glasgow. That's golf, isn't it? Lus. Yes, it is golf. It is golf. Um, are you a golfer? No. Short arms, T-Rex arms. Yeah, I know. It's it's quite... It's, it's hard, isn't it, for yeah. for props? And the old shoulders, mate. A few ops, they don't swing around anymore. No, but it's funny to say it because Paul Wallace was there. And he wasn't playing golf, though. He tried to play golf. He scored six points off a full handicap, which was, I think, 28. I don't know what that means. Does that mean he's good at golf? I mean, he's absolutely terrible at golf. <laughs> the worst score out of everybody. Air shots, the lot. Yeah, but, yeah, but presumably, knowing Wally as I do, and I don't want to be disrespectful to a genuine, you know, Paul Wallace, legend, British Lions, Irish prop. Presumably, he was drunk as he was playing, right? Um, for once, he was probably the most sober I've seen him because he's renowned for his drunken behaviour. Yeah, he used to like drink all the time and still was in amazing nick and like the best player ever. Couldn't believe it. Could Ma- not believe amazing it. trainer, played every game. Like, I mean, do you remember when we were young? It was what, 98, 99. We used to go to Beer Ritz every, every year for a week. 
pre-season, didn't we? <laughs> and we'd, we'd do all this, we'd do this training, we'd use beer at rugby club, and um, one day out of that week, we were allowed a night off to go out and just to have a few drinks and bond. Um, but we had to make sure that we were in training the next day. That was yeah. the only... 9 a.m. That was the only downside session, of it. Yeah. That was the agreement. You can yeah. go out, but you have to be ready for or training. Front up, yeah. And you remember, we all went out, obviously around beer, it's having a few beers, and turned up the next day to training, and no one could see Wally. Where's Wally? Yeah, where's Wally? We couldn't where find him, Wally? could we? And he did not turn up to training. No, just didn't come. I remember him walking in, it was half one, we'd trained... It turned out that not only had he not turned up, but he'd woken up in Spain. <laughs> Remember? But he walked into the hotel, it's half one, and we'd finished training, got back, recovery, ice, physio, yep. lunch, going out for a coffee in town, 1.30 in the afternoon, and he ran back up the stairs in like jeans and a pink shirt and a pair of loafers, and he's like, boys, have I missed it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, you missed it, Wall. You just about missed it, mate. Yeah, you're in Spain, mate. Yeah, by about four hours in the wrong country. Yeah. What a night. But I remember one of my first memories of Paul Wallace. Imagine like 18 years old, the first guy I prop with in grown, in men's rugby is Paul Wallace. I mean, what a joke. How lucky was that? But it was uh, the Lions had like a, it was like a 12-month reunion or something after they won the 99 series. I guess it was 98 when I'm 18. And we did a scrum session the morning after. Series. 97 series, 98 reunion. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So we did a, a scrum session on the sled the morning after. And the two flankers were Richard Hill, who'd been to the event with him, but you know Hill, he probably had a couple of pints and kept it steady because he was the best pro ever and all that. Yeah. But the other side was Francois Pienaar, so he was on my side. And remember, they said, I remember Francois saying, Hilly, couple of scrums and we'll swap, five or six and we'll swap. And Wally saying to me as we left the huddle, you've got to keep him on your side, keep him there. And I said, why, like, why, why, Paul, why, Paul? He said, I smell the piss on me. <laughs> I said, I can't, I can't, so what can I say? And then Francois stands up after five scrums and he says, Hilly, one more, we swap. And Wally looks at me and says, keep him there. You keep him there. <laughs> Do you sound like the Irish Godfather? Yeah, that's what that's what all he sounds yeah. like. Hopefully, no one on this who's listening to this has ever heard him speak. That's exactly what he sounds yeah. like, by the way. And we got up from a scrum, and Francois says, "Right, come here, we'll swap." And I, I, I looked at Wally and thought, "I got to do this." And I was just cringing, like dying inside. Eighteen years old, talking to PNR, icon of the world game. I was like, "No, Frankie, stay, mate. I'm not happy. You got to get. I'm not getting anything from you at all. Getting nothing." And he looked at me like, "What? Like, who are you? Do I even know your name?" And I was like, stay, mate, stay where you are, mate. You need to sort this side out first. And even Hilly looked at me like, what is going on? And then remember Roberto Grau, the yeah, Argentinian yeah, prop, yeah, best loose end in the world did. at that point for me. And he was ahead of me, obviously, at Saudi's, but he was injured that day. Steak for breakfast. And he was looking at me like, he was looking at me like, uh, what are you doing? And afterwards he said, why? Like, why, Davey? Why you say? Why you say, Francois? Why you say? Terrible. You are a child. You're a kid. You're a kid. Why you say? And I was like, oh. I think Wally was on the beers last night and his breath didn't want Francois to smell his beer. <laughs> oh, no, it's good, it's good. You take care of Wally, take care of Wally. Poor Wally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what we're trying to say is that Wally trained like a shark but drunk like a fish, didn't he? Done. Yeah. So what is on this week's podcast? Well, let me tell you, um, broadcast from here in a very rainy and dull but nevertheless nostalgic and inspiring Cardiff Arms Park. Many great memories. Well... Many memories, didn't often win here, but very proud to have played here, I must say. Um, so a trip down memory lane for me, but for you, Tommy, just kind of a visit home, really, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Played many a, a year here and some fun stories. And I always remember, you know, it, it's a, it's an old school change room. It's an old school It's stadium, not comfortable, really. is it? No, it's small. It's it's not that welcoming. It's damp. Yeah, yeah. It's not like these new stadiums now when you walk in and there's jacuzzis, there's... no. Plenty of showers. It's basically bars. like bath away change rooms. Awful. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Now, a friend of mine looked like me, my height, my build, 
Um, it wasn't Gareth Thomas with no tattoos, was it? <laughs> Is Ian Dowie? <laughs> An Ian Dowie lookalike. Duncan Good, whatever. Um, so you do a team run here on a Thursday because most games are on a Friday. And after the team run, my friend would wander into the opposition change room and do a little number two in the toilet. Um, uh, wouldn't flush it. A little, a little toilet otter left the opposing teams a little, when they come. A little Sean Goater. <laughs> left in a toilet for the opposing teams when they come. And you could just imagine them walking in and, you know, you're quite nervous, aren't you? And you're like, oh, I need the toilet now, I'm getting a little bit nervous. Well, oh, oh God, who's no. done that? Oh, no, there's a Sean in there. <laughs> yeah. That wants its back snapping. It's got hairs on it. <laughs> um, but oh, for Christ's sake. My friend was very immature. And he grew up. Grow up, man. Yeah, yeah. So tell us what's Um, on today's show. Right, we're going to have a quick run over the weekend's kind of action. The Pro 12, the Rugby Championship, the Prem as well. We'll we'll have a chat around some of the results, some of the performances. Um, One big decision in particular, maybe two big decisions. The Alafotti first to leave a red card. The JP Doyle warning to Brad Barrett and Saracens over kind of ungentlemanly celebrations and inverted commas, whatever that means. We're going to give Jimmy Gopeth a call. Obviously playing very well for Wasps at the moment. They've moved him to number 12. It seems to be working. So I'm sure he's got plenty to say. Yeah, but he's plenty to say. He's playing really well. That'll be a really interesting chat. And then we're going to move on, astonishingly, Tommy, to um, questions from our listeners. We've got some. I cannot believe it. Mm. Well, we've got listeners and they've also contacted us. And actually, the way to contact us is you can go on Twitter at Flats and Shanks. You can go on our website, which is flatsandshanks.com. There's a theme running with this. Um, and you can email us contact at flatsandshanks.com. Or if you really want, just send a homing pigeon to Flats and Shanks. Yeah, what's my schools? Right, yeah. let's crack on. So, Flats, we'll start with the rugby championship. Yeah. Another great weekend rugby. I love watching it. Yeah, I do actually. And that, that, um, the Argentinians against New Zealand yeah. it, kind of, it kind of had the look of New Zealand Wales in the summer didn't it you think they're going to do it they're going to do it and then the All Blacks bring that bench on and it's night nights I mean it's just the same old same old with them Argentina came so close in the first half 24-19 yeah. yeah and all this talk of the sort of Argentinian passion and commitment and physicality I, I sort of I like that, but I never quite know what it means. They actually just played great rugby and they actually piled into the All Blacks. They did. They went through the, the heart yeah. of them, really. I mean, mm. the, Argentina want to play wide. We saw yeah. that in the World Cup. They were unbelievable in the yeah. Millennium Stadium or Principality Stadium against Ireland. And they've come on so much. We've talked about that. But they they came within two points. On 50 minutes, it was 24-22 to yeah. New Zealand. Um, but then we've seen it so many times with yeah. New Zealand. I mean, look, we the closest we've come to beating New Zealand in the last 50-odd years is I think 26, 25. Yeah. Um, a result we're still celebrating today. Yeah. They are that good. It's interesting. Isn't it? I mean, Argentina, Argentina, the Argentinians produce some top players of their own. Agustin Creevy, the hooker. I love watching yeah. him. Brilliant player. Uh, really highly rated. Juan rated. Martin Fernandez, I think possibly Juan. got the best name yeah, yeah, I've yeah. ever heard. He's, he's a dead set Juan. player, isn't he? Juan. But the All Blacks just, I mean, Bowden Barrett, Ben Smith, what do you think of those boys? Bowden, I think Bowden Barrett is probably the best player in the world at the moment. Do you reckon? I think he's that good. We're all worried about who's going to... Well, not I wasn't all. worried. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. About Dan Carter, you're going to say? Yeah, the Kiwis were worried yeah, about yeah. Uh, who's going to replace Dan Carter. Is it going to be crude and they're going to be up to it? But Bowden Barrett has just gone to another level at the moment. Yeah. Feet, pace, picking out weak defenders. When I say weak defenders, I mean forwards, like yourself. Yeah. You mean, uh, you mean international professional defenders who he makes look stupid? Exactly. People yeah. just stay on their haunches, can't move. Yeah, um, Ben Smith as well. Doesn't matter yeah. where you play him. On he's the wing, because I always watch him, and um, he doesn't seem 
necessarily a flamboyant player. He seems to do really basic stuff really, really well. Loads of power, loads of effort, naturally elusive and quick. Very fast. Very, yeah. Skillful. Mm. Offloads. You look at them and sometimes you, you can't even tell what numbers they got on their back because their forwards can pass just as well as their backs. It's just mm. installed in them from such a young age. Yeah. You know, they, they don't waste opportunities. They don't, they don't tend to panic when they're five metres mm. out. They play with width. Yeah. The forwards know when it's on and when it's not on. Yeah. Um, and that just sets them apart, I think, from all other nations. Yeah, and they do they do keep churning out these players, don't they? Like you talk about, you know, Smith and you know Bowden Barrett and Crude and taking over from Carter and all Reed that. coming in now. Reed know, coming in. It, it's Kane. It's, yeah, it's it's nuts, and it's you know, I I kind of I kind of have a rough theory on it that oh yeah, you know why why are New Zealand so good when they've got a fraction of the sort of player base, the player pool that say in England has, but. I kind of think that works for them. Firstly, it's a national sport and that really helps. Secondly, unavoidably, sort of thing that you know All Blacks fans don't like hearing, but it's true. When you've got the pick of the South Sea Islands, effectively got the pick and the those sort of athletes, which for me are the almost kind of the athletes, the people best built to play rugby union. I mean, there's or rugby league for that matter. They're just physically often just kind of gloriously superior. Not always, but they, when you kind of got your pick of those, I think it helps you. But I almost think there are so few players in New Zealand, relatively, of course, there are loads, just nowhere near as many as there are in England. No. I sort of feel like you've got no choice but to develop what you've got, and it almost forces coaches to be good. And Someone told me a, a statistic recently, which could be untrue. But did, let's... You, did you know like 67% of statistics are made up on spot? Says who? Um, I, apparently there are over 600 professional players playing outside New Zealand from New Zealand you're just making this up now um, now my mum told me that but no someone told me that and I think if it's true firstly we've dropped a great stat and it's phenomenal to have that many players playing when you think there ain't that many pro teams relatively that can accommodate what would be foreign players yeah but if it's not true we'd like no one to contact us about that because it'll make <laughs> us feel silly is that okay yeah it is I also think it stems from the top the, the way they approach the game the way they want to play the game filters down to the lower leagues to the kids you know they play they play what's in front. You know, there's, yeah. there's not. They're trying to lose weight, for instance. They're trying to lose a, a bit of weight because the game's being played faster. So they're not mm. trying to get themselves big and and muscular. They want to still be powerful and fast. They want to keep the ball in play. And they do want to keep the ball. Make in people play. move. Yeah. Um, now, did you watch the Aussies beat the box? Yes, I did. I did. Boxer in a tight spot, aren't they? They are. They are slightly. Um, they lost to Argentina a couple of weeks ago. Again, they lost to um, Australia. Australia looked pretty good as well. Mm. We all know Australia can attack, and they attack like old school attack. You know, off the, off the top of a line out, dummy runners, left, yeah. right. I think obviously Quay Cooper has a massive influence. Yeah. There. Um, I thought he. I thought he looked um, impressive, but a bit more reserved, a bit less sort of intent. He didn't overplay his hand, and I, I no, think that suits him actually. He did. You know, he's a lovely one out the back door. Mm. Um, loves it. Um, but they, they were good. They were good, and South Africa. As you said, a bit of a tight spot at the moment. They did score a couple of tries, mm. both from turnovers. I think one was an intercept and the other was a turner off the ground, which there was also, it looked like a bit of a forward pass to Habana before he streams down the forward right. Forward passes are allowed now, mate. Yeah, I know. We've, we touched on that you last week. Um, you can't prove a forward pass anymore, I'm No, you, Yeah. <laughs> that's <laughs> it. They're unprovable. Indefendable. Indefendable. Look um, at the fingernails. Apparently, that's the uh, directive. That's it. The boot laces, fingernails and eyelashes. Um, but yeah, boxer in a tight spot. But let's, let's not be too parochial about this. But I think... As a Welshman, you, as an Englishman, me, it's pretty good news for us. Come, yeah. They're coming over in a couple of months and we've got to be confident, haven't we? Yeah, we do. I mean, we need another Southern Hemisphere scalp here. We've, mm. um, I think we've been Australia and South Africa, Wales now. 
since 2008. So yeah, hopefully they'll be there for the taking. Yeah, a bit of work to be done. Right, um, Pro 12, what did you see? Good win for Blues again? Yeah, it was a good win away in Munster, but for me... The... Was that a surprise for you, though? Slightly surprising, um, yeah. purely because of we're so used to them going over to Ireland and, and playing well, but but not winning. But they've won two from two. It's a new coach, we've got Danny Wilson in, yeah. new players, Nick Williams. Top bloke he is, uh, Danny Williams. Yeah, Danny Wilson, really sorry. good. Top bloke, Nick Williams. He's a he's an old boy. I watched him train a few weeks ago. He's doing a thing with Sam Warburton. And you watch him train, and he's probably not your number one athlete in a shuttle test. But as soon as the actual rugby stuff starts, he is. He wouldn't say he's on a different planet, but he seriously knows what he's doing. Mega coordinated, and he's a huge man, isn't he? That puts his weight about. He has real influence on a game, Nick Williams. He's massive. Um, Tom James played well. Yeah, a couple of tries. So yeah, mm. they're, they're, they're doing all right. But the result for me was Glasgow Leinster. <coughs> Yeah, you know Glasgow just know. on fire again, um, and that and that man we mentioned last week, Seymour. Yeah, he scored four tries in one game, so four tries in eighty minutes. And yeah. I mean, I don't want to steal his thunder, and that's, it was incredible. But you know, you you scored five tries. Yeah, that is true. Actually. But but it, it did take you fourteen years. <laughs> actually, actually, <laughs> actually, Smuggo, I scored six tries in fourteen years. Five for Saris, one for Bath. So. Shut it. But Tommy Seymour is looking like a lion two weeks in. Can we say that? Yeah, we can. Yeah, he's, he's captain as well. Yeah. Um, you, so you stop laughing at your game? Okay. <laughs> you shouldn't laugh too enthusiastically at your own joke. But no, Cardiff no. have got Glasgow next week. That'd be a tough one. Yeah, it'd be a big one here on the, on the Friday night. Yeah, so Premiership um, started out with a, a quite odd draw at six ways on Friday night. Gloucester needed to prove a point after throwing away an enormous lead to Tigers in round one. They didn't quite prove that point for me. But the turning the turning point, I think, was Alafotti for Saliva, former Bath man, yes. um, let go from Bath, signed for Worcester. He got that red card for that leading elbow. And it's difficult to talk about this, not because I'm going to start crying, but because when you're an ex-pro and you say that's never a red, you sound like one of those glib blokes mm. who used to play that says, let the boys kick seven shades out of yeah. each other, you know, in my day Get and all that. Get back to rucking. Yeah, start booting each other and what's wrong with the odd uppercut? It's not... That's not how I view it. That's not how I view it. Um, I just think that, you know, when... Take yourself to a training session, a rugby training session, any age, running into pads, which is what you do a lot in training because yeah. you can't do contact every day. So someone's holding a tackle shield. Someone's holding a tackle shield in front of you and you're using them as a tackler and sort of hit it, drive their legs and go down a bit. You don't, you don't run straight on into them, do you? Of course you don't. You, you tuck the ball in. If you're carrying, you know, the ball within your left arm, you will leave with your right shoulder. You keep the ball away and... Mm. Letter of the law and all that, you can't. I'm not ignoring the letter of the law, but you can't leave with your forearm. But I feel like his forearm wasn't out and extended, it was near the body. And he's so powerful and he connected so flush, accidentally or unintentionally at least, with the jaw of Galaza, the big Gloucester lock. I think he just, he almost knocked him out of the way so quick, his arm just followed through. And I feel like if he hadn't connected and he wasn't so powerful, it wouldn't have looked so bad. Galaza as well is obviously quite a tall bloke. Um, yeah. You know, he's, what, 6'5", something like that. He's not, or more. He's yeah, not 5'11 and a half like you. Um, six, we six me we measured you. Inch. We measured you on electronic scales in Asda, and you were 5'11 and a half. Remember so. that? I'm 6'5". I'm, I'm an and, and do you remember that machine you put... We <laughs> this, is, this isn't a joke, actually. It's true, and it's not funny. Um, we Everything's put, true. We put 20p in, and the green screen 
um, went red and it said, consult your physician. <laughs> yeah, morbidly obese. <laughs> that, was about, that, was about, that was about four stone ago, mate. But uh, Glass is obviously a big bloke, so it's difficult for big blokes to get right down low to tackle. Yeah. So you're going to be tackling around the ball area. So yeah. the chances are you're going to get an elbow, you're going to get a wrist, you're going to get fist. Yeah. Um, right, Ryan Lamb tweeted a picture the next day of Charlie Sharples effectively doing the same thing, ball in the backhand, leading with his opposite forearm. Not to try and get Sharples into trouble, his point was, is this a red card? No, of course it's not. But he's doing the same thing, and it happened four or five times after first Saliba did it in that game, and it wasn't penalised. Would it have been a red card if Galazzo had got up? Well, I don't know. Um, Probably not. And it shouldn't play a part in it. Maybe not. I, I like to think, because the big screen broke at six ways. Um, so Luke Pierce, the ref, couldn't look at it at all on the screen. He was completely reliant on his TMO. Um, and that's fine, except the TMO's looking at it over and over again in slow-mo. I kind of wanted them to stop that, and... And I feel like I want to give Luke Pierce is I think a really good ref who's getting better, and I think that had he seen it on the big screen, had the big screen been working, he could have said to his TMO or the producer or director, whatever it is, don't keep playing it in slow mo. Show me in full yeah. speed from a couple of angles. That I I like to give Pierce a benefit of the doubt and say I think that would have changed it. We'll come back to that in a minute about um, you know should late tackles be shown in full time rather than slow. But yeah. I think Gloucester got to be most disappointed with that. Down mm. to 14 men, not being able to finish off the game. But there were some, there were some good performances. Again, I mean, Perry Humphreys's try. Oh man! Did you see that? <laughs> yeah, it's joke, wasn't it? Yeah, superpower. It, it was an incredible try. Yeah, and so yeah, it was. I mean, power paced a lot. There was a lot of chat between the commentators, amongst the commentators, whether there's a knock-on in midfield. I, I didn't think there was, and the, the referees agreed with that. Yeah. Um, but to finish off that, he, he hands off Charlie Sharples. What a try! Gets over at pace. Oh man, sense. But also Matt Scott. Yeah, we, we talked about him last week. Centre, Scottish centre, again yeah. playing well. Yeah, for Gloucester, brilliant signing. That I mean, they, running, they... his running lines are brilliant. He's good over the ball. He's mm. solid. You know, I, I think Scotland with Alex Dunbar back being fit will be. Yeah, will be a. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. 
For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Real tough, tough challenge. I think so, and I think they lost the needy to sign a Matt Scott because they kind of been waiting since Tyndall retired, they're waiting on Henry Trinder and poor mm. bloke can't catch a break physically when he's fit, wonderful player, but... It's almost like they can't wait forever. And do you know what? If he comes fit, then they got two really good 13s and there are worse spots to be in than that. But going back to the slow-mo thing, we don't want to stay on this for hours, but Brian Moore wrote a piece in The Telegraph at the weekend and it was typically a really clever piece and all that sort of stuff. Sadly, I'd written one for <clears throat> a different magazine on a similar subject and it was about a third as good. So I actually said... Was it top marks again? It's top mark, top marquee, top marks. So Moore wrote this brilliant article on... You know, what the slow mo shouldn't sort of should and shouldn't be used for, and we're not going to recite it now and read it to everyone, but it's worth getting on the internet and having a look at that because, um, really, really well balanced piece. And it's not a case of health and safety gone mad, as he says, and it's not, you know, let's let everyone hammer each other and the game's gone soft. He's not coming at it from that point of view. It's no. just, is it actually fair on both parties to have it in slow mo oh, yeah. and all that? So, it's really, really, I have a read of it, worth, worth a read. Yeah, but we saw, um, Bath. Yeah, hammered uh, Newcastle. MC hammered them, didn't they? Absolutely, MC hammered them. Yeah, um, they Newcastle didn't turn up. Their defence was appalling. Um, they played really well the week before to beat Sale, um, and didn't really see this coming. And Bath had, I mean, Bath had a good team out. Dave Denton injured. He's out for eight weeks apparently. Um, Did Banahan play? Toby, yeah, Banahan played. Good golfer. Good golfer. Mm. Yeah, he's, yeah, but he's good at everything. He's one of those guys. Like he's, you ever seen that video? We don't condone it. Of when he was playing for Jersey on YouTube and he had that fight. No? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's worth a Google as well. He's a, he's a mild man of man banners. And when you think he's six, seven, 18 stone and he's freaky, got freaky power, Yeah. he could hurt people a lot and he doesn't because he's a good bloke. I think someone said the wrong thing to him on that day and um, he hammered those boys. It's worth really? a look at that. Yeah, don't, don't annoy Matt Banahan, I think. But Carnfoto Lee played well. George Ford was brilliant. Rocco de Gooney, Absolutely back to his yeah. best. There wasn't really a shining light for Newcastle, I'm sorry to Rocco say. Rocco de um potential oh. for? Rocco de Gooney, let's just call him Rocco, shall we? Yeah. Um, yeah, potential for England. Yeah. But you know, I had some Bath fans stop me in the street yesterday and say, why aren't they picking him? It's a disgrace. And I said, well, you know. There's, if, a, lot of, there's a lot of talented yeah, wingers. Yeah, who are you going to drop then? Mm. You can't, you, for me, you can't drop Jack Noel, you can't drop Watson. You know, Chris Ashton's right up there as well, as we said last week. There are others, there are plenty of others. So that's, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But Bath were. Fabulous, but they were made to look fabulous. Again, Saracens were strong at the weekend. Oh man, we, they, mate, it's a repeat of last year's final. It is, and they hammered, they hammered Chiefs again. They just strangled teams out of games. Yeah, really, so really good, good at it. Billy Vunapola, I mean, he was brilliant last week. He was better this week. Surely he can't get much better. His first couple of games of the season, he's a hundred and twenty odd kilo unit. Mm. He should be blowing and struggling. And he's not. He's bashing people, offloading, making dents, and smiling. And there was another incident in that game. I yeah, to touch on yeah. Now about the over celebrating. So JP Dore called over Brad Barrett to say he doesn't condone it. Um, yeah. They're over celebrating, really, a penalty. Yeah. Um, and I, I can sort of see why, because a penalty was given for holding on. Six or seven Saracens players run over. One of the Exeter players is still on the floor. They're all crowding around him. He can't get up. I think there's nothing wrong with celebrating at all. You know, you celebrate as much as you want for. Uh, for winning a penalty, mm. but when it's a round of play and you're stopping a player from getting up, it, it doesn't sit that well with me. And like, as I said, feel free to celebrate. It's, it's like when uh, you're on the floor and one of the opposition tries to really pick you up aggressively by your collar. Yeah, like he's trying to help. Like really, he's trying to he's help. Aggressive. He's, yeah, he's just trying to give you a bit of a choke and. And just you can't, you. you can't do anything because the ref's there. Yeah, 
yeah, uh, used to do that a lot. But I, I, it's an interesting one. I think it's one that Saracens players, if any of them listen, and supporters, if any of them listen, will fundamentally disagree with that decision. And to a point, I disagree with it. I, I, it's a bit what, of gamesmanship, really, isn't it? I think undoubtedly it's gamesmanship. Yeah. And it's it's let's celebrate together. And I love, I've said a million times, and I, stand, I, I maintain, I love the way Saracens operate. I think they operate as a group of men and women and staff and wives and kids better than anyone else yeah. at the moment, maybe in Europe. Um, fantastic club. But I think that the whooping and hollering was never my style, but that's because... I wasn't as good as them, and I didn't do many spectacular things. Now, what I what you, I you were like, like one of these players that would score a try and run back as fast as you can to get in position. Yeah, sprint back and yeah. do some press ups while the kick was being taken. That was that was just me. Sign some autographs and get on with it. And um, I, it for me, it's it's not the celebration. I just don't mind that. Celebrate with your mates, congratulate mm-hmm. each other. And I, I kind of, I, again, wasn't me, but I love watching Saracens do it now. I think they got yeah, a great no, vibe. I... What I didn't like was Exeter player lying on the floor. He's not going to get beaten up. He's not in an alleyway outside a nightclub on CC, you know, CCTV in a gutter. He's all right. He can take care of himself, and he's not scared or anything like that. I just think it isn't that gentlemanly. And maybe I'm being a bit old school. And I'm sure that Richard Wigglesworth, who got annoyed about it on social media, he didn't really get annoyed. He's pretending he might have a dig, but because he's angry anyway. But he's a, he's a very good man. I think he might disagree with this, which is fine. I would have liked one of the Saris boys while they're whooping and hollering and ass tapping. I would have quite liked one of them to help up the Chiefs yeah. lad and say, "All right, pal, you know, you know, no dramas." I would quite like to have seen that. Whether you're going to start penalising that, hmm, fine line. I'd say no, you don't penalise that. What you can tell is that these Saracens players get on well. Oh you yeah, can yeah. See the, you can see the team bonding going on there. Yeah, proper pals. Yeah, proper pals. So we told you we would be speaking to Jimmy Gobbeth, and we did. Jimmy, hello, mate. How you doing? Yeah, not bad, mate. Yourselves? You well? Yeah, very good, mate. We're we're bang on. So yeah, we're strong. Tell us what you are doing right now, this second. Right now, I'm sitting on my son's bed, hiding away from the kids, so that I can get a bit of peace and quiet. <laughs> right. We've all done that, mate. <laughs> yeah. We've all done yeah. that. We've all done that. And I, I understand we go. And I I use a downstairs toilet because then it's two birds with one stone. Anyway, um, good to have you on board, Jimmy. You boys at Wasp, two games in are. Absolutely flying, mate. So, what's the secret? What were you boys doing in pre-season? Jeez, what were we doing? We had a pretty tough uh, pre-season, to oh, be yeah. fair. They uh, they gave us an extra extra week off um, for doing so well uh, last year, but then they decided to cram a ten-week pre-season into six weeks. So yeah. it was endless amounts of running hills, weight sessions, etc., etc. But it's paid. Uh, it's, it's paid off, I think. Yeah, so it was. Was there a lot of like, is everyone dressing it up as sports science, or is Di just there with a coffee at the bottom of the hill saying, "Run, boys"? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, it's standing at the top and saying, "Hurry up, don't miss the line, get there." Yeah. But uh, it, was, it was pretty tough. We had Dan down the bottom shouting at us, uh, um, our trainer, which most of most of the guys know around the place. Yeah, we, I think he's, we're going to talk about uh, Dan Byron. Not, <laughs> we're, we're calling you from Cardiff Arms Park, mate. So I'm looking out over the pitch. We'll talk about Dan in a minute. I've got some horrible memories of that bloke. But um, <laughs> obviously, the highest profile signing, Curtly Beale. Um, you picked him up for a bargain. Well done. Um, <laughs> he, you can't live on that in Coventry, mate. You cannot live on three quarters of a million quid in Coventry. He's injured um, at the moment, which is a bit of a nightmare for him. It's horrible being injured and especially joining a new club. But, you know, how are you integrating him into Wasps? Are you taking him out? You, is he out in the town? Are you looking after him? Yeah, we're looking, looking after him, taking him out and um, 
taking as money off as much money off them as we can on yeah, the golf gotcha. course. Really, you boys should never pay for a meal, should you? With them about? <laughs> Not at all. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, the only way to get the money out of them is just, just got to beat them in golf. Is he quite uh, a quiet bloke? Keen. He's a pretty keen golfer. Oh, right. he doesn't like losing. Is he? Is he quite? Because he's not playing. Obviously, is he? And he's not training with you boys yet. Is he kind of quite quiet and reserved around the place, or is this a bit of a character we're talking about? Yeah, he's sort of obviously with the uh, injured guys that sort of have a different schedule to us. So whenever we're out of training, he's he's in sort of doing his rehab. So we see him around the sort of around the place during the day, and uh, he's uh, he's warming to the boys now. He's he's starting to uh, liven up a bit and. He's a bit of a hard case. He's he's a he's a proper Aussie lad. I I heard he's uh, going to do um, a Mario Balotelli at Christmas and drive around chucking fifty pound notes out of his sunroof. By the way, just for our listeners, that's not true, but it's a great surprise. Cruising around the middle of Cov with uh, cane on his neck, is he probably? Yeah, mate. You drive a nice car through Cov, you take your life in your hands, mate. That's he's an Aussie. He'll have a Ute. He'll have a Ute, mate. He'll have a Ute. Yeah. Um, now, this whole a lot that's being spoken about was at the moment surrounds. You at 12 and Danny Cipriani at 10. Now, that, I mean, we're only a couple of games in, right? But things seem to be going pretty well. Um, is that a combination that was perhaps stumbled across accidentally or kind of forced on Die Young? Because Kyle Eastman, another big signing who's sort of a natural 12, isn't fit and available. Is it kind of an accident and we'll make do, but actually it's gone really well? Yeah, I think so. It's one of those ones. And, you know, fortunately, you know, we, well, we signed all these all these guys, and unfortunately they were injured. And it's just one of those ones. We looked at the squad, and the guys obviously thought, you know, let's try and get the best players we've got on the pitch. And um, yeah, these days a, a second receiver, you know, he's pretty much like a ten anyway. So yeah, it suits yeah. the way we play. And um, you know, I don't mind the contact a little bit. So I, I got draw the short straw and got put there. Really? Yeah, you beefed up a bit in that pre-season, mate. I saw those pipes looking good. Or you just wearing a smaller <laughs> jersey? Is that it? Uh, it was. Just sat in the gym and, and, and looked at a bit more weight when I heard I was playing 12. I, I wanted to laugh a few more seasons. Bit of bit of tan on your arms and legs as well certainly helps. Do you uh, do, <laughs> do you see it as a like a Gopeth versus Cipriani or or how how do you view it? Nah, not at all. You know, every every team, you know, you guys are rugby players. You go into a team, uh, there's always going to be competition for your spot. Um, I think what Guy's trying to do this year is he's trying to get two three, even four players in the same position, mm. rivaling for the same position. It just it creates competition throughout the squad. And, you know, there was so much talk about when Danny was uh, signing and, you know, the homecoming. And, oh, yeah, I'm a pretty laid-back kind of guy. I just, I want to play footy. And um, I take it as an, an opportunity to make sure I'm playing the best rugby I can and, and make the, the Decision hard for die at the end of the day. Yeah, so you pretend to like him, but secretly hate him behind his back, <laughs> like, like we all do. With it, like we all do with anyone playing in our position. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll I, get along, all right. So I played for ten years with the right same guy at Bath. Ten years we played together, two loose heads, and I was his best mate for ten years. I haven't spoken to him once in five years. Can't stand the bloke since I retired. I'm joking, mate. I'm joking. I'm joking. We sleep top to toe. Um, on the Cipriani thing, it's really interesting, and the Kyle thing. Um, obviously, big signings for the club, but as a as a starting ten, a frontline ten at a big club, how do you not how do you react? Literally, how do you find out that the club is signing a very high profile fly half? How do you not you know you can deal with it well enough? Who tells you? How do you find out? 
Um, it's a bit different. Every every signing's different. Um, sometimes you just hear in the media that uh, for this one, I got myself and Rory Jackson into his office and just sort of gave us a heads up of yeah. this is what's going to happen and the reasons why, which, you know, you normally hear about it through the media. So for a player, it was quite nice for, for Di to do that to us. Um, yeah. Because obviously we had a pretty good combination going last year. And, um, you know, you, you sort of think, well, why has he changed something that we've done pretty well? But, you know, he's looked at the reasons and, um, you know, it's more competition. And obviously Rory, um, you know, looked at, had, had an option to look at different op- opportunities once he heard that, which, you know, for, for a player, I think, was quite, uh, it, was, it was really good, actually, yeah. to know where you stand and, and what's going on. That is good. And you do you know, off generally off the record, actually, on the sides of pitches and in coffee shops, you do hear a lot of stories that suggest that a lot of clubs or clubs don't always behave like that. And I'm guessing that Die isn't. I mean, you're right, it gives Jackson a, a chance. If he says, look, I think I'm going to be third choice, he can actually start looking around early at other clubs and it doesn't stitch him up, um, which I like. But I'm guessing someone like Die Young isn't the sort of bloke who dodges the awkward conversations, is he? No, not at all. He'll tell you how it is and... Um, which is good, which is what you want. You want that from a from a head coach and um, director of rugby because at the end of the day, we're all professionals. We all we all want to play at the highest level. Um, but if you're getting dicked around and no one tells you the truth and sugarcoats everything, mm-hmm. then you're not gonna you're not gonna be happy for one, and you're not gonna be able to um, progress your career. So yeah, it's nice to know yeah. where you stand and, and give you a heads up, and so you can you know continue the the, the sport you love. And it, you know, if the if the and it is always blokes so far. I'm sure there'll be women doing the job soon enough. But the bloke that stands up in front of you in the room and tells you how it's going to be and how you've all got to play for each other and what you're going to do and he's standing beside you and all that. If he's dicking you about, you just don't believe him, do you? So when you're having proper conversations like the one you had about Danny coming to the club, actually every time Dice stands up, he has given himself a lot more credibility with the boys, hasn't he? Oh, definitely, and you know this. That's what you need from a director of rugby or a head coach. You need someone that you, you trust, or you need someone that you want to you want to play for. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, when the going gets tough and you think you're looking around going, "Oh, I don't actually really want to be here," or something like that, then you know you're going to lose straight away. Yeah. So, I think that's the key for any any coach, any director of rugby. Is you want your players to play for you, and the only yeah. way to do that is be be honest and be upfront and. Um, you know, gain that trust. Yeah. Well, one of Dai's strengths has always been man management. I mean, yeah. his weakness has certainly been uh, dress sense. <laughs> but <laughs> when, when, when you're the size of a terraced house, mate, like, do you know what I always yeah, think exactly. when I see Dai? I always think, like, who Where'd, made that blazer? Where'd you get like, that nice shirt from? Yeah, who made it? Like, he's in North... He's, 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 obviously, he's, you know, he's probably not going to win any 100-metre races, but I'm saying that. But he doesn't... He just looks... He doesn't look like flabby and horrible. He just looks... Enormous, like massive human being, isn't he? That his blazer's uh, about four feet wide. Yeah, I, I'm not going to embarrass. Uh, I'm not going to name the prop, but they were, they were doing scrums the other day, and they were doing a they pulled finished the scrums, and one of the one of the boys done a one on one bit of technique. Now oh, the yeah. ground was like rock hard, and a little bit. The one the the player had studs in. Die had his sand shoes on, <laughs> and absolutely bitched him. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, brilliant. Uh, brilliant. He literally pushed him backwards a mile and we're just standing there going, this, he is huge. So you've got, you got Dai there as well. He brought along Dan Barr, who obviously spent a lot of time with him at Cardiff. And I always remember Dan, you know, Dan 
head of strength and conditioning and you'd be doing squats or something like that in a cage and he'd just come along and lift it up and push press it. I mean, you wouldn't mess with Dan either, would you? Uh, no way. There's one guy you don't want to get the wrong side of. I think most of the fans would probably hear him on the sideline running up and down shouting around. Yeah. He's a guy that probably has, well, I don't know, 15 coffees before 4 a.m. Yeah, mate, he's <laughs> loose, mate. I, I think you've certainly got the, the hardest coaching team. Yeah, um, I reckon if, I mean, we're as I said, we're at Cardiff Arms Park now and I'm literally looking out the window of this corporate box and I'm looking at the very spot in front of the uh, substitute bench uh, where Dan Bard did, a, did his very best to do my dentist a favour and when he hit me, I, honest, I stopped, went down. All I could think about, I was like 19, all I could think about was my mum. Because I thought he's knocked oh. all my teeth out. He knocked all my teeth out. It turned out he hadn't. And um, after going, wanted to hate him, and he was a really nice bloke. And he's like, "Hey, buddy, your teeth okay?" I was like, "Oh, for God's sake!" <laughs> well, they do look like Nick now. He is a top bloke. They're he like a bag of chips now, man. Yeah. The first time I came to watch, we, we were just doing some bench uh, sort of power testing, and he was—I uh, saw us back. I think he might have been one twenty on the on the bar or something. Us little bats were battling. Just warming up, yeah. And he was like, "Oh, just come over and check the weight," and just literally nearly do done a power like press like and then caught it it left his hands it was just phenomenal the, the strength of the man yeah he's a freak I mean I mean, he's he, we played uh, England Canada once or Canada England and Julian White the prop who was a hard old boy himself Dan Barr was cheating all, and Julian White decided to chin him and to try and dissuade him and um we worked out that he hit Julian six times in the face before he hit the floor. <laughs> yeah, not one to mess with. I don't know how we got onto that, Jimmy. Stop condoning violence, mate. It's, it's not part of the game these days, all right? Um, mate, we've loved chatting to you. Thanks for coming on, and we will see you at the weekend somewhere. Good luck. Cheers, Jimmy. Yeah. Cheers, mate. Cheers, Cheers buddy. So that was literally Jimmy Gopeth. I enjoyed that. Did you, Tommy? Top man. Top Good man. boy. Good boy. I particularly enjoyed the anecdote about Die Young one-on-oneing one of his first team props and doing a job on him in his in his trainers on the field. No, no, no. They weren't trainers. They were sand shoes. Sand shoes. Oh. What is a sand shoe? Flip-flop. Espadrille. They normally call them thongs, don't they? Thong. <laughs> He's there. not in thongs, mate. I reckon it's like those tennis rackets you used to walk across snow. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's exactly well. what they'll be, mate. Has to be. Absolutely yeah. has to be. Um, right, that covered off. We are going to quickly, because we've gone long again, but we both have verbal diarrhoea, mainly Shanks, of course. We're going to look at a couple of questions that people have sent in. Tommy, shoot. Right, so I got one from Colin Williams. Why are the Scarlets so rubbish? Thanks. Straight to the point. I like thanks, it. Thanks, Colin. Yeah. Why are the Scarlets so rubbish? You're well, Welsh. They uh, they started off last season incredibly well. They were like 8 from 8 or 9 from 9 in the game. They've lost the first two opening games. Mm. and I think... They're playing a lot of sideways rugby at the moment. They're, they're a team that always wants to play. So they've got mm. great backs. Jonathan Davis has come back yeah. um, to the Scarlets. They've got... Um, Cubby Boy coming Cubby back. Bo- Cubby Boy's there. Um, Scott Williams is playing. Reese Patchell signed for him. So they've got the players. But Good at the team. moment, they're just not quite getting the platform. They're not quite getting the go forward. They don't have a big ball carrier like a Vinopolo, I, I don't think, or a Nick Williams that the Blues have got now. Someone mm. who's just going to guarantee him front football. So they're struggling. But you know, it's still early days. First two games, they'll, they'll learn a lot from the defeats, as we all do, and we have to say. Hey, you um, win or you learn. Not the words of me, the words <laughs> of Colin McGregor. And the thing is, when you lose your first few games, all you and you play badly the first few weeks, is all you say is that, look, we tailored pre-season you know, to peak about eight weeks into the season, because exactly. it's a long old season. That's what you do, isn't it? Exactly. We'll be, we'll be peaking at Zebra at home. Yeah, and when you're, 
when you're like look, if they're looking at the Cardiff boys, they'll say, well, they're peaking too early. Yeah, they're peaking, exactly. They've, they've gone too hard in pre-season. That's what you do, isn't it? Yes. Um, got a question here from Nathan Tyler on Twitter. Whatever happened to Ollie Smith, former Leicester Tigers, England and Lions centre? I'm sure I read that he and Shanks were roomies on the Lions tour. Then he vanished. Tommy, <laughs> were, you, were you roomies with him? Buried him somewhere. Um, <laughs> no, it wasn't actually. Um, we didn't room. We uh, we roomed. Who did we, you room with? We room where we initially got together. Um, I room with Will Greenwood. Oh, I'll get that. Um, name dropping. Yeah. Right, I've I've like shared a flat with Bono for eight years. So close to the edge. Uh, um, yeah, but no, I, we're not actually sure what happened. He was he was coaching at London Welsh last year. He was defence year. coach. There. I think so. Yeah. So what, what I'm going to say to you, uh, Nathan Tyler from Twitter, I'm going to guarantee you that we. And by we, I mean Tom Shanklin. We'll find that information for you by next week, and we will know where he is, his exact address, his sleeping patterns, and his blood type by next week. Okay. Yeah. So thanks for the question. We got another one from Chris Jones, Jonesy. Um, what style of rugby do you expect the Lions to adopt in New Zealand? See, it's a year away. Yeah. And I, we're talking Lions. Well, it's not a year away. It's a bit less than that. I, but yeah, I got a theory. You got a theory? You've always got theories, mate. Um, I know. I've got a theory. Shall I go first or you go yeah, first? Yeah, go, you go first. I, I think that I watched um, Kel Brook the other night box against uh, Galani oh, Gelolfi. This is going to be good. Right? And good fight. It was a good fight, wasn't it? It was really good. And for me, Chris Eubank Jr. has been an absolute tool since that, saying that, you know, almost mocking Kel Brook for giving up. And Such a shame how he fractured his eye socket. Fractured his eye socket. I mean, what an idiot. He uh, looked at <laughs> But um, I won't say that too loud in case he ever meets me and fills me in. Um what, against karate? You'll yeah. be all right. <laughs> Take your chances. Um, so I, I think that he showed the way to beat Golovkin, but I, I think that um, Paul Smith Jr., the boxer from Liverpool, um, he, he made the point that Kelbrook showed the way to beat Golovkin, but who can keep it up for 12 rounds? And in the world, there's no one at the moment. But I, I don't think that going around the corner, running the same way with big ball carriers and looking to just keep the ball phase after phase and exhaust the pitch one way than the other, I don't think the standard power game is going to work against the All Blacks. I just think they're too sophisticated for that. Um, I think that they're going to have to play more aggressively than perhaps the Lions played last time. They, they were wonderful the last time the Lions, but I think when I say aggressively, I mean perhaps a bit, um, bit more... <sighs> bit more verve in attack I would quite like to see Gregor Townsend on that staff as we said last week and I would like to see them really really stretch the All Blacks in terms of yes attacking width but I'd like to see them try and stretch them in terms of intensity and try and take them out of their physical comfort zone for as long as possible we've seen Wales do it this summer we saw the Argies do it last weekend no one so far has kept it up um, but perhaps the Lions will be fit enough but it's a long old season a long old tour so I feel like they're going to have to rip them apart and score a lot of points so your theory is to get Kel Brook get Kel professional Brook rugby get, get Kel Brook to whack him we can't use Golovkin because he's not one of the five nations no whack him and then just whack Four a few nations. he's only little but he'll get him yeah yeah that's the theory what's yours um, score more tries well done mate <laughs> uh, no well look New Zealand are going to score tries so you know you're not going to win games on penalties you have to be creative you're going to have to you're going to have to shorten the defence and like we said I think everyone is on the same wavelength of Gregor Townsend would be mm. an ideal candidate mm. to do that. But is he going to do it if he's all of a sudden just joined the Scotland? Mate, I, I don't. I don't think you get. It's like when Steve Borthwick had just signed at Bristol, great job, and then England offer him the job. I don't think you 
risk never getting asked again. No. I think if they ask him, he goes. You, you think, well, you only get asked once. Yeah, and twice if you're really lucky. Twice, yeah. I mean, if you say no, are they going to come back? And I, I feel like if they ask him, he'll go, and they should ask him. But if, you know, Gatlin is going to be head coach, we know that. I think you need someone who thinks and, play, and wants to play the game like Gregor alongside him. Yeah. Compliment him, and you got to take one Scottish bloke on tour, haven't you? You do, yeah. Just a joke, just a joke, um, ladies and gents. That brings to a close podcast two. Um, we've enjoyed making it in the perhaps not glamorous but historic surroundings of Cardiff Arms Park. We've had no coffee and tea brought to us, despite promises from Reese Williams, former Cardiff and Wales fullback, not delivered. Absolutely not delivered. We've enjoyed making it. We hope you've enjoyed listening. From us, it is goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs> 